Welcome to the Growing With Purpose podcast. I'm Paul Spiegelman, and we're going behind the scenes with very special leaders, learning about what shaped them into who they are in business and in life. Today's guest is Rob Dubay, a longtime entrepreneur, but more importantly, a wonderful person. Welcome, Rob. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm so happy to have you on today, and I know the listeners are going to be uh, just thrilled listening to your story. Uh, You have a great story in business, a great story as a leader, but uh, I remember hearing recently how your business that you started with your partner, Joel, really started selling blow pops in junior high. Is that true? It is true. Um, I think that's where we got our uh, the entrepreneurial bug bit us uh, back then in ninth grade. And yes, Joel's uncle owned a drugstore, and somehow we got the bright idea to uh, buy these blow pops by the box and take them into school and sell them out of our locker at lunch. And I'm not joking when I tell you that kids were lined up and down the hallway. We shared a locker, coincidentally, and uh, they were lined up and down the hallway buying these blow pops. We They equated to a nickel per blow pop. We would sell them for a quarter. We'd walk around the halls with these quarters bulging out of our pockets. <laughs> it was hilarious. And so that was the start of what we uh, ended up this journey together, uh, being entrepreneurs through high school and college. And then, you know, as we got into our adult life, actually having a, a full-fledged business. Well, you talk about the profit margin there. You, you had the financials right from the beginning. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about how you guys started uh, the company that you are president of today, Image One. Yeah. Um, we were coming towards the end of our road at, in college, not knowing what we wanted to do, but knowing that uh, working for another person would probably be a challenge for us. And um, Joel had read in the back of a magazine, uh, a business magazine, um, about this emerging um, uh, business that was happening where uh companies would recycle these toner cartridges that go and in, went into these new things called laser printers. Now this was 25 years ago. And, um, he, he thought, wow, that's an interesting idea. And he shared it with me. And, uh, one thing led to another, we got a $5,000 loan from our parents and we went down uh, to Austin, Texas. We got trained on how to take these things apart, empty them out, clean them, put them back together or fill them with new toner, put them back together. And, um, we came home and started doing this out of the basement. Um, it it was the wrong business for us because we're not technical people. We we're service people. We love taking care of people. It is a passion of ours, uh, that started early on. Um, but actually doing this cartridge process was, uh, not, our so consequently, over half the products that we sold were defective. And so we were running around for several years just trying to take amazing care of our customers, keeping them happy and keeping them as customers, um, and which made it very difficult to grow the business. But we learned a tremendous lesson um, because we learned that we could retain customers even with a product that was not up to par and obviously learned a great lesson moving forward that we needed to have a product that was a high-quality product. And, and ultimately, that's what ended up happening. And how did the product develop or into what it is you guys do today? 
we outsourced uh, the the uh, remanufacturing of of these toner cartridges, and as the uh, business grew and as the industry sort of changed, what we ended up doing was managing print environments. So this would be all the laser printers, multifunction printers, copiers, all that print equipment that is in all these businesses all over. The- we would come in and start managing that entire process for them, selling them the equipment um, and taking care of the service when it broke down, doing preventative maintenance, and, of course, uh, providing a high-quality toner product. Um, ultimately, where we're at today is we, we uh, provide a brand-new product versus a remanufactured product. So it's really come you know, a long way for us. We have strong partnerships with major companies like Hewlett-Packard and Konica Minolta, Lexmark, and Xerox. And so those are, are some of the uh, key partnerships that we have uh, that have really allowed us to uh, have a customer base that's very strong in, in the Fortune 100 um, uh, level of customer. You know, you built such a wonderful business. I had the opportunity to visit the operation in Detroit and uh, saw lots of smiling team members and employees. <laughs> uh, at, at what point did uh, the culture of the organization become important to you, or was it always that way? Um, I think we uh, really became more focused on it uh, in 2006, and that's um, coming off of a time where we actually had sold our business and were in the process of buying it back. And uh, I received a copy of Small Giants, the book, and I started to flip through it, and um, I, I became immediately interested in all the stories that were being told uh, uh, in the book, and it inspired me, frankly. And I shared the book with Joel, and uh, it inspired him as well. And so we made a commitment to each other and to our team that moving forward, um, if we were to take this company back from the company that acquired us, uh, that we were going to have a culture that was like none other. And we've just been sort of chipping away at that over the last 11 years. Um, just every you know, month, every quarter, every year, trying to do one or two just little things that start to add up to a whole lot of stuff. Well, we have that in common as well, being inspired by the book, Small Giants. And uh, <laughs> you said something that really intrigued me, and and, uh, and that was that you sold your business and you bought it back. So why did you sell it and why did you buy it back? Well, <clears throat> many of the... Um, mentors that I, I had previously um, to uh, previous to selling the company were uh, maybe what I would put in the category of more traditionally minded business um, people. And it was all very much about uh, growth and exiting and how big can you get and um, you know, just a, a very different mindset than, than where we're at today, which is a much more collaborative and open environment. Um, and, and so along, around that time in 2004, uh, we were approached by this public company and, um, and we weren't really looking to sell, uh, but we started discussions with them and, and one thing led to another. And uh, we felt that this was going to be an amazing way for our company to grow and go to another level. Um, the agreement was that we would be a wholly owned subsidiary and uh, none of our uh, 
team members would be uh, let go, so we would operate independently. The benefit was that they had 500 salespeople, and those 500 salespeople could now sell our service offering. And so from a vision standpoint, it was uh, it seemed very obvious what could happen. And unfortunately, um, it wasn't happening. So I like the term vision without execution is hallucination. Mm. So there was definitely a big vision, but no execution was taking place. Um, it was very difficult to work within this larger organization. It was like trying to turn the Titanic. And uh, it was a frustrating time in my life um, because we wanted to do great things. We wanted them to have a return on their investment. And... Uh, it just wasn't happening. Um, after some uh, executive turnover at the larger company that had acquired us, uh, we went, Joel and I went and met with the CEO, and he had a different vision for where the company should go uh, and, and asked us if we'd be interested in taking the company back. And that's around that time when Small Giants landed on my desk. And uh, that inspiration and that timing with that CEO's offer uh, brought it all together. And we decided to take the company back and um, the rest is history. That's amazing. Well, you know, Rob, I want to dig in a little bit to uh, your role as a leader and how all of those tendencies uh, developed and lessons learned. And you've already shared with us that uh, there are things that happen that we can control, some things that we can't control, but it all comes from Mm -hmm. somewhere. So when was the Mm -hmm. first time that you realized I am a leader? I'm still working on that, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, it's uncomfortable for me. Uh, and, and I think my wiring is I'm just like every other person, which I am. Um, and so uh, I've started to reframe it a little. I've, I've started to realize that um, in my position in the company, people will feed off of my energy. And so I take that responsibility very seriously. And I know that each and every day when I come uh, to the office or I have any sort of interactions with any people within our organization or outside of it, uh, it's really important that I have a certain energy um, that, that is a lifter upper energy. And, and that's my mindset every day. I'm always thinking about that at the beginning of my day is how can I be a lifter upper today? And uh, I, I'm definitely somebody who looks at the realities um, business, uh, at least in, in our experience, it's not always easy. Um, we don't have all the answers far from it. Um, and, and so it's not about having our heads in the clouds, um, but it's about, you know, looking at challenges and issues um, and going about them in a healthy manner, because I know we have the, the capability and the capacity to solve them. And, and so I'm just here to help everybody to lift them up and know that they have those abilities and to move forward in a really healthy way. Now, when you think about the leadership that developed within you, even as uncomfortable as that might be, and the fact that you take kind of that glass half full approach, is that something you learned in business or are there even experiences that you can recall from your childhood where that started to be part of your life? Yeah, I think, um, you know, a couple things. Uh, my parents were divorced when I was younger. Um, and, uh, it was back then it was, uh, it wasn't as common as it is today. And so I had a lot of, 
uh, independent moments. There was some solitude that was happening at that time in my life. And I had an imagination that I could do anything. And I was really into sports. So um, I had a Nerf hoop in my room and I was, you know, I loved basketball and I would be playing these basketball, imaginary basketball games and, you know, winning the championship and hitting the last second shot. And I loved baseball and I would throw the ball against the wall of our house. And, you know, same thing. I'd make the winning catch or, you know, whatever to win the world series or win the game. And, and as I reflect back on those days, I realized that I had really started to wire my brain to think that anything was really possible. Um, and, you know, along the way, I, as I grew up, I felt um, that I, w- I was very curious. And so I, I asked a lot of questions. Um, my dad was uh, in sales and he had a lot of interesting people around him. And I would always ask, you know, all sorts of questions of them and what their lives were like. Uh, I had a really good friend and they had a very, very tight knit family. And I was always... Uh, curious about their family and that family was always very curious about you uh and i learned so much from them and when i think back about that because if i would go over their house there'd always be a big gathering and they'd just be so interested in every single thing that i was doing and i thought to myself i love that i love how curious they are about me and how that makes me feel and so I took that, you know, some of those skill sets and brought them together. And when I say I didn't do it, I don't really believe I did it consciously, but those all coming together, um, you know, and really de- helped me to hone in and develop that curiosity. And I think that's been really helpful um, for me as a leader. And then just the last thing is I spent a lot of time with my grandparents and they were always very humble uh, people and they led, led a really humble life. It was very simple and spending time with them, especially in the summers. Um, it was something I always look back on as just a really calm and simple and, um, you know, just loving time in my life. And, and so that's another uh, piece too. I think, you know, some of my uh, experiences growing up that's helped me as a leader. You think of the three things that you mentioned that are so appropriate for great leadership. One, optimism. Two, curiosity. Three, being humble. Curiosity especially. I mean, I I tell my small kids now when they uh, are struggling with just how to have a conversation with someone, and I just say it's really easy. Just ask questions. Just ask a couple Mm -hmm. questions and, and how it makes people feel when you show you're interested in them. And that's really, to me, what leadership is all about. And the fact that you found that from watching another family and, and observing and then realizing that it felt good for you and you could return that favor uh, for other people. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's neat to see how these Great. lessons start so early. So is there any particular emotional event uh, that you can think about that helped shape you or your leadership approach? Well, I mean, definitely uh, what was going on when I was younger um, and really just having having a lot of, you know, going back to the uh, little bit of isolation, but it also created some independence and uh, perseverance that comes to my mind. So um, when I was 14, I actually uh, moved, I lived with my mom up until I was 14, and then I ended up moving with my father. And I mentioned he was in sales. He traveled an awful lot. 
So I was alone a lot uh, in high school. And so I was incredibly, I had to be incredibly responsible, incredibly independent. Um, did I always do the right things with my time? Absolutely not. I took full advantage of being a teenager and doing all the things that, you know, as a parent myself now, I, you know, I can only hope that my kids aren't doing. Um, but, uh, that was my life and I learned a lot from it. And so being independent and having to persevere, um, you know, with maybe not the most common upbringing, um, you know, that, that was a difficult thing as I look back in, at it. And as I got older and started to dig a little deeper into some of my traits and why I was the way I was, um, I think, uh, you know, I look back to, to those events as, as pretty instrumental and, and ultimately helping me have some empathy and compassion for our team um, because we just all have stuff going on. I had stuff going on and I still do and, and they do too. And so, you know, sometimes we don't, you know, have it all together when we're at work, let's say. And oftentimes there's really darn good reasons for that. So how can we dig in a little bit deeper? Um, you know, one of the things I like to ask at the beginning of every one of my one-on-ones with my leadership team is how'd you sleep last night? because I'm really curious. So they rank it from one to five. And, uh, you know, if I get a four or above, I know they had a pretty good sleep. If I get something below a four, you know, maybe they might be, uh, trying to step up and, you know, uh, maybe, you know, like it's okay, but you know, if it's anything below a four, I know they probably didn't have as great of a sleep as, as, uh, needed. And they might not be a hundred percent on their game and I can adjust my expectations accordingly. Wow. Uh, that's a great question to ask. And um, I don't want you to ask me because uh, we'd be on the phone for a long time, you telling me <laughs> how to improve it. But, you know, Rob, you're someone that it seems to me uh, has taken that independence and more than most that I know has really focused on uh, the journey to understand yourself, uh, the journey towards self-improvement. I know I'll be at events and I'm wondering where's Rob and Rob's off for a long run in the morning or <laughs> Rob might be meditating or uh, we order lunch in and Rob's eating something that not everybody else is eating. Um, so where did, where did all these things come from that have really shaped you into who you are today and make you really such a unique and special person? Um, that's a great question, Paul. I think that, um, it, it, when I look back at all these life experiences, it's, it's all just, I always think it's just the journey and it doesn't, it never for me happened all at once. And I didn't always immerse myself uh, into things. For example, running, I was a very casual runner and I always thought, wow, you know, boy, would it be neat to run a marathon or something like that? But I could never do that. And there was somebody at my office who decided they were going to run a marathon. They started training and I was watching her go through all this. And I, I thought to myself, wow, you know what? I, I think I could actually do that. And said, you know, you're really inspiring me. I, I think I want to try this. And we ended up doing it together and, and um, put a whole charity uh, uh, thing together for autism. And and, you know, that was just, 
sort of a progression and then being inspired and taking action. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I'm curious. So I've had some different health issues uh, over the years. Uh, I had severe asthma growing up, yet I was very active and athletic. And, uh, you know, I used to carry, I had all sorts of medications and, and, you know, I started to be curious more as I got older, what effect these might be having on me. Are there other options I might have? And so I just tried different things and tried to find something that worked for me. I'm not, you know, out there to be on, uh, you know, uh, I am vegan. I have a vegan diet, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm not on the soapbox about that. It's just something that works for me and it has helped me. I, I don't take medication anymore. And that to me is mind boggling um, that, that that was such a part of my life for so long. And now it's not at all part of my life. Um, and, and so how a change like that such a difference. Um, meditation, I had a lot of anxiety, OCD, uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, and, um, you know, just very stressed, often um, high standards of myself, of others. And I, you know, from a leadership standpoint, that's not healthy. Um, and, and, and I wasn't offering my leadership team and the people who work at our company, uh, an experience that was desirable, <laughs> you know, and that's what we're all about. You know, it's, it's about being in a place that's a little different than the norm. And so, you know, I just learned I had to find something and I had to do something different. And I was curious about that. And I tried different things over the years and meditation is just something that, that seemed to click for me. And so I've been doing, uh, I have a regular practice, a daily practice that I've been doing for a little over 10 years now. Well, you were a huge influence on my start with meditation. And I was one of those that was uh, an absolute cynic about it for my whole life until I finally tried it. And I'm completely hooked. And, uh, uh, and I see that, uh, some of the same, you know, anxiety and OCD and other things that have been part of my past, um, can absolutely be addressed by, this idea of mindfulness. And, and so I've become obsessed with it now. Thanks in large part to watching what you've done. So you've had a great influence wow. on me. Um, cool. You know, so many things that uh, I hear from you are really uh, based in optimism and, and positivity. And, uh, and yet there are going to be times in our day uh, in our leadership of others where uh, there are critics, negative influencers, uh, on a, on, a, on a practical basis, how have you found it best to deal with that? Uh, in a weird way, I don't mind criticism. I, I actually welcome it. it. It helps me to step back and think a little deeper. Um, I think being challenged is, is a great thing. Um, I mean, I don't love negativity, uh, but, you know, the, it's there. And I take that as a personal challenge is, you know, especially if I have somebody on our team who, who might be wired that way. And I think through my mindfulness meditation practice, that's helped me to uh, understand that, you know, people's um, thought process and beliefs uh, come from many uh, many experiences that they've had in their lives. And, and so they just need the 
potentially the opportunity if they're ready to maybe see things in a different way. And so I look at that as a leader, um, as a challenge and how can I really help this person maybe see things in a different way? I know in my heart, I'm coming from the right place. And as long as I feel good about that and, and I'm being authentic about that, um, I, I really believe that I can pr- help to provide a different experience uh, for people that might be a little bit negative or um, be critical of the way we're approaching something or, or uh, doing something here at the company. And, uh, you know, my kids, it, you know, anybody who has kids know that, you know, they're going to remind you about your imperfections all the time. And I love, I love that because, you know, at the end of the day, it just doesn't really matter. They're, they're at least my kids, you know, nothing impresses them. So um, it's just, it's always humbling. And, you know, at the dinner table, you know, to be made fun of about whatever I got going on, it's, it's a great thing. And so that helps me grow and also just have some humor uh, about things along the way um, because, you know, every moment is is uh, a special moment and and if we choose to look at it that way um it it, it certainly changes our our lens well that's a great approach let me play devil's advocate for a second because in in the course of business and you come across these negative influencers let's say uh this this kind of calm approach to uh or a mindful approach to uh try to maybe convince them uh, of doing things differently or behaving differently doesn't always work. So when you, uh, can you think of a time when maybe you were really forced to make a very difficult decision, uh, in your leadership role? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, as it relates to, um, you know, people within our company, sometimes they're just not ready and so they're just not a fit. You know, there's a philosophy we utilize called get it, want it, capacity to do it. And then we also add in, are they ready? Um, are they ready for it? So, um, you know, we've had uh, times where we have amazing people. Um, they are very, uh, they are excellent at what they do for the company, but they don't get it or they want to get it, but they're just not ready for it. And we need them to be ready for it. And those are difficult decisions because you're affecting not just their lives, but the lives of the people around them, but it's the right thing to do. And because our, our, uh, our time together just isn't making sense for either side. And so, you know, certainly at times where we've had to, uh, you know, let somebody go from a company, those are the hardest things because you know what a life altering experience that is, um, for, for those people. And, you know, our philosophy has always been one of empathy. So we try to do our best to make sure that they can land on their feet, um, as, as easily and as quickly as possible. Um, certainly selling the company and buying it back, believe it or not, that was a really hard decision. Um, going down the uh, road in a very unsophisticated manner. Um, I mean, we didn't have attorneys or, you know, advisors uh, when we were 
have it when we were talking about selling, we just kept having this dialogue and then this company would request more information and then we would give it to them. And Joel and I would sit back and kind of laugh like this is never going to happen. And then it started to become very real. And then there were a lot of meetings where we had doors closed and people were wondering and we couldn't say anything. And that just didn't, I learned about myself. That doesn't fit me. I'm a very open and honest person. And that's one of our core values just on top of that. And so, you know, here we are like doing all this secret stuff and it it just in looking back it just didn't fit at all who I was or what I was about and then buying it back uh, you know a lot of people think oh wow you were so fortunate and we were we were I don't want to discount that but um, you know we were disenchanted and Joel and I were starting to think about other things that that we might be able to do when our contract ended and that was would have been about a year and a half later Um, and um, and so it just wasn't a no-brainer for us. In fact, we kind of had this taste in our mouths that we were like, we needed a change. We wanted to do something different, start fresh. And and so, you know, that was a really hard decision too. And it forced us to look really closely at our values. And, you know, if we were going to buy it back, this would be a fresh start with an existing, uh, you know, entity. And and so that, that was also a really hard decision that we had to make in our lives or that I had to make, but it's been really rewarding. Can you also think back to a time maybe uh, before this business, maybe other jobs along the way where you learned something that shaped you uh, from an unexpected source? (laughs) Um, Well, it was an unexpected thing that happened in my life. So my father, uh, who was remarried and in his late late 40s and his wife at the time got pregnant and she was a very high risk uh, pregnancy. I was away at college at the time. I was a sophomore in college. And I remember my dad calling me and saying, I have exciting news. Um, you know, we're pregnant and it wasn't expected, but, uh, you know, we we're going to, it's a high risk. And if everything checks out, you know, we'll, we'll move forward. We're going to have a baby and we're really excited. And I was in this world of college and, and, you know, I was in my own head and I, I didn't even know how to react. In fact, the way I did react internal internally was I was disappointed in my father, uh, that he was, uh, you know, at that age, at this point in his life, he had two grown children and, uh, and my sister and myself, and, and here he is having a, another child at, at a later t- stage in his life. And, um, I remember after a night of partying, getting a phone call in the morning, um, from my father nine months later. And mm. he said, you know, he's all excited. And he said, you have a brother. And I just didn't, I remember thinking, I I really can vividly see myself laying in my bed in college. And I, I just remember thinking, I don't, am I supposed to be excited right now? Am I supposed to go home and see the baby? I I don't know what any of this means. I'm just confused. And so I just did my best to, you know, have niceties, but I just remember hanging up and thinking, Oh, I can't believe he has a child right now, not connecting the fact that this was my brother. Yeah. And wouldn't you know it that we're 20 years apart and all these years later, he is one of the closest people in my life. He's one of my best friends. I learned so much from him and he has become an absolute gift 
in my life. And so that was a very unexpected moment in my life. And I think about the stories that we tell ourselves in our head. And I think about that 20-year-old Rob and what story I was telling myself, which was just so far from what the reality of the story is that I have today. Uh, It's been an amazing lesson. Yeah, it's all, again, part of that mindfulness journey and acceptance of of that. And uh, while you didn't feel it at the time, look what that's turned into, this wonderful relationship with your brother. Uh, Mm -hmm. Incredible. You know, um, you're obviously very humble as a leader, uh, but uh, and you you said you spend time every day thinking about how uh, you can be kind of up for everyone and make sure people are positive. How do you make sure on a day-to-day basis you're accessible and, and really authentic to people so that they, they truly get who you are? Um, I do my best to, you know, make proactive reach outs to any, we have people all over the country. So I try to um, reach out to them in various ways, whether I call them or I'll send them videos uh, from my iPhone, text them, email. We use an internal uh, uh, sort of Facebook sort of thing called Yammer that's part of Office 365 that we do a lot of communicating on, or I do. Um, we communicate regularly through our rhythm meetings. And so I just, I try to be at the forefront as much as, much as I can and, and constantly, constantly, constantly reminding uh, every single person that I want to hear from you. I, 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 I want to hear what your challenges are. I want to connect with you. I love connecting. It's one of the things that I found that gives me energy. So a phone call is not a disruption. It's always come as a surprise to me that somebody says something like, wow, I've never worked for a company where I could talk to one of the owners. And I just think to myself, what? Am I one of the owners? <laughs> you know, it just seems so foreign. Like, I'm just a guy. Like, you just called me. It's not a big deal, you know? Um, and, and so uh, getting in, walking around, going up to people and just sort of looking them in the eye and saying, hey, what's going on? How you doing? And sort of getting a feel for their energy. And uh, if I maybe feel something, you know, I might try to connect with them in, in various ways. Um, sending a note is another great thing that, that I learned along the way. Uh, a handwritten note goes a long way. Handwritten note to um, family members of our team, it, it goes even further. But more, most importantly, I've learned that that really needs to be authentic uh, and really from my heart. So not, I don't want it to be contrived. So I really try to be very attentive to what's going on in people's lives. And when I'm genuinely excited or happy or sad or whatever it might be for that person, um, then I know it's coming from my heart and then I can, you know, react appropriately or connect appropriately. One of the things I noticed when I visited your uh, operation and met some of the people is that they generally not only knew about life events that were going on outside of work, but they showed tremendous compassion. Uh, Can you reflect on that a little bit, how you make that kind of front and center beyond what goes on in the workplace? I mean, I think just humanizing uh, on a consistent basis, and I do believe that does start with leadership and giving the forum for that. And once the forum is there, you know, the rest takes care of itself. Um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, in our um, 
we have a weekly huddle, which is common for many companies, but as part of our weekly huddle, we have a person who specifically takes uh, 10 minutes at the end of each one of those huddles to do uh, some sort of uh, exercise, uh, not physical exercise, um, sort of a vulnerable exercise uh, with the group that's there. And these things start to come out uh, as, the, as it relates to people around the country. You know, utilizing platforms like Yammer have been really helpful to communicate and asking thought-provoking questions. Um, we use a service called Know Your Company, and and what that what what they do is they send out uh, three times per week via email a a thought-provoking question, and that has helped. Uh, some of them are fun, some of them are a little deeper, but they, that's really helped uh, people come out of their shells because they can write down things that are happening or thought processes that they may have. And, and all of a sudden, everybody's gaining insight on each other. And then you realize, hey, uh, that person, you know, really loves Star Wars. And so do I. And so they start connecting with each other. Or this person loves biking. And so do I. But they're halfway across the country and they start connecting with each other. Um, you know, there's all sorts of uh, tools and, and ways that, that we use um, uh, to, to bring out uh, the vulnerability. And then, of course, our values. I mean, we have to live them. And we, Tom Walter, who, who is um, one of your podcasts, um, he taught me uh, a while back to state your values at every single meeting. And so we do that. And it, yes, it's repetitive, um, but it just reinforces. And I, when I state them, I state them with energy because it's, a, it comes from deep in and, and, and I want, you know, that to be felt because it's, imp it's such an important component of who we are and how everything that we do every day, whether it be for each other or our customers or just the community in general. Um, and, and so knowing that in our values, you know, vulnerability is part of it. You know, uh, empathy is part of it. And so people know that. And when they start to feel it, they start to open up. Just showing people you care about them in the totality of their lives. That's really all that is. Exactly. About. I've learned I've learned that a lot from the book, from Bo and from you. Uh, I've had some great uh, teachers along the way as it relates to that. Well, you know, it's been it's probably pretty unusual to uh, be married to your business partner from a business perspective for so many years, right? So you guys were, uh, you know, selling blow pops in ninth grade. And, and I've had the opportunity to spend some time with Joel and he's a great guy. You guys have been together for years through thick and thin. Uh, what's mm -hmm. the secret to making a partnership like that work? Well, you said a great way when you said it's like being married. Um, we both approach it that way. And, um, you know, luckily we have a similar philosophy in that we're, we are lifelong learners. Uh, we realize we're both imperfect people. And all we can do is make small steps every day to be just a little bit better. And, and that's the most I can ask of Joel and, and the most I can ask of myself. And uh, we both need to be highly aware of uh, each other like we might be with our wives, you know, and, and the more aware that we have and the more present that we are with each other, the better we're going to be for each other. We need to put our egos aside and that's getting easier as we've gotten older um, and maybe chilled out a little. But certainly growing up through the business uh, wasn't always easy. We are both strongly opinionated, and uh, we believe our way is the right way. 
but I think, and I know Joel would tell you the exact same thing. Uh, both of our ways are pretty much always really good. It's just a matter of which way we want to go. <laughs> so if we can put our egos aside, um, there's probably not a bad answer. I think you guys uh, find good common ground. It obviously shows in the results that you've had and the, the impact that you've had on people's lives. Um, can you think of a really humbling experience you've had uh, in leadership? Yeah. Um, the one that I always point to is we had a very large uh, customer uh, back in uh, the early 2000s, the Borders bookstore chain. And we did not have a strong relationship with them, although we thought we did. And uh, one day, as, as I tell the story, one day they called us up and fired us. Uh, the true story is we had no relationship with them as I reflected on it, and they had every right to do so. And, but I took that very personally and I was in uh, react mode. And so as part of an organization uh, that I'm still part of called EO, uh, there was this portal that you could go on to and uh, survey uh, members of numerous organizations, EO, YPO, CEO, et cetera. I think there were five total. Y, uh, WPO was another one. And you could literally just put in your issue. And if somebody could help you or relate to it or whatnot, they would respond. Well, I received a response from somebody who happened to know the CEO of Borders Bookstore. And so the bookstore chain. So uh, that person, uh, went forward and called the CEO, which started a whole chain of events within this large company and ultimately came to the person that we were dealing with. And that person didn't appreciate this whatsoever. It was not a game changer at all. In fact, uh, it was the complete opposite. I burnt a bridge forever. And so wherever that person landed in his career, I can pretty much guarantee he was not going to talk to us or even have us in his mind as a potential option for uh, a vendor. And I learned a lot from that because uh, the first thing I learned is, you know, I wasn't wronged. Uh, you know, he, that person was doing his job. He was doing what he felt was best for the company. And uh, I, in retrospect, needed to respect that. I certainly could have had a heart to heart conversation with him and, and we could have come to some agreement, whatever that might be. Uh, but I didn't do that. Instead, I just reacted and started doing all sorts of these other things that really didn't lead to anything positive. In fact, completely opposite. So uh, that was super humbling um, because as part of it, I needed to go to our team and explain everything that had just happened and how I really messed up, you know, and burned a bridge. And so um, I learned a lot from that experience. And I just learned I would never handle anything situation like that with anything but the utmost of respect and just understanding that other people have a job to do. They have different dynamics uh, that they're dealing with that I'm not aware of and, and just to respect that. And to remember that no matter what business we're in, we're in the relationship business and uh, yeah. uh, you got to honor those as well. What a really important experience yes. for you. You know, yes. my next question is, um, I, you might have an interesting answer because they, they always say it's lonely at the top. And, and as the leader of the company, uh, I, you probably resonate with that. Although you're someone that kind of enjoys their solitude at times. So uh, what do you think about that question? Well, I do enjoy solitude. And I think 
as part of, uh, and I get my fill of that during the, during my practice, during my days uh, with my meditation practice. Um, but I, I don't feel that, uh, at least in my position at our company that, you know, I feel lonely. Um, we're a collaborative team. Um, and I learned a lot about that specifically from, uh, one of my mentors, Ari Weinsweg at Zingerman, uh, part of the small giant community. And, you know, they're a very collaborative, uh, organization and, uh, and just, uh, working with him and understanding how they do things over at their, uh, family of companies, um, had, had really given me sort of a roadmap for how we can do that here at image one. And so, you know, decisions don't always just fall on, on me. It, it's not like that. And it doesn't need to be like that. Um, and that's the path that we've chosen. We have really smart people. We want to empower them uh, and let them do their best work. And most of the time, well over 80% of the time, it's going to be excellent. And sometimes it's not, and it's not when I do my work either. So we're all human and uh, also just being uh, sounding boards for each other and ultimately collaborating on major decisions, I think really uh, has been a key component to some of our successes because that means we're all bought in and, you know, we're all moving forward, uh, not, you know, with, uh, with somebody exactly what's got to happen. It's more, we all came to consensus and, um, and made the decision together and let's move forward and with whatever that might be. So you've learned a lot of things overall these years from many people, many different sources. What do you ultimately think is the most important quality in a leader? Well, I, I've really come to the belief that presence and awareness is the most important quality. When we can give our full attention and focus to that other human being who's with us at that moment, when we can put our distractions away, whether they be the electronic distractions or the distractions of all the chatter that's going on in our head, that person feels your energy. I truly believe that. So uh, I, there's such a difference when everything is gone and you're just of full attention with whatever the person that you're with or people that you're with uh, are talking about or sharing. And they just, they feel that. Oh, they've been heard. And, it, and, and ultimately, if there are tough decisions that need to take place, and, and you know from being a business, there are. There are tough discussions and decisions that have to happen. Um, but they make those decisions. They make those discussions a little bit more, uh, a little bit easier because people feel heard. They might not agree. Uh, they might not like it but they feel heard. And, and that, I believe, as humans, is really, really what matters to us, is that you feel heard. Yeah, you're so, you're so right. I'm really trying to work on that, Rob. <laughs> the idea of simply paying oh, attention. You know, uh, the idea of presence and, uh, is really important. And, and I can be in the middle of that conversation or in the middle of listening to my wife or my kids or someone at work and, and realize I'm already on to the next thought and just stopping myself and realizing mm -hmm. how impactful that is. And it's, uh, uh, I hope to continue to get better at that, but I think you're right. I think that is the most important thing. And that what makes, what's make people feel so good. So let's say you're talking. One of the things a, that you're, Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, Paul. I was just going to say one of the things that you're doing is you're being aware and through your practice, you're developing this 
this muscle in your brain uh, through your meditation practice uh, that you've you've started, and and you're starting to uh, develop that muscle in your brain, and that helps you to be more aware when you're with your wife, with your kids, or or in business, or whomever you're dealing with, because the first step is just realizing that my I'm starting to you know uh, get distracted, and that brings you back, and through that practice is what gets you there when, when you're dealing with it in day-to-day life. So that is a really cool thing to hear you say. Yeah, that's exactly right. And cause I'm at that point now where I, I feel like I'm halfway there cause I notice when it's happening. Uh, I don't always correct it or I'm not perfect yet, but I, at least I'm, I'm getting those few times in the day. So, uh, it's, it's great, great to see. Now, uh, let's say, uh, you're talking to a, uh, a millennial, somebody new in business, someone that's interested in, in being a leader. They say, Rob, I want to be like you. I want to uh, do what you do one day. What kind of advice would you offer to them? Um, the biggest piece of advice I would give would definitely be vulnerable and ask for help. I went way too long pretending like I had it all together. And I remember a really important part, uh, a really important um, thing that happened to me along the way was actually somebody who said to me, hey, are you part of EO? And I didn't even know what it was. And so one thing led to another and I ended up joining this organization and I was very intimidated. I remember my first meeting and there was about 10 other people in the room and I was sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, you know, these guys are, these men and women are all amazing entrepreneurs. They probably all have their MBAs and they know they're geniuses and they know all the numbers and all the, everything that's got to happen. And slowly over time, I learned that they were just like me, you know, the more vulnerable that we got with each other, the more I started to realize that, you know, nobody's the the perfect entrepreneur, the perfect leader. Uh, We all had things that we were, you know, very good at, but there were also plenty of things that, um, you know, we needed to improve upon. And, And so, you know, for younger people uh, or, you know, along those lines, I just would encourage them calling anyone. I mean, don't assume anybody's busy or wouldn't take a call. You know, they're just humans like you and me. Uh, I know you're very generous with your time, Paul. Um, I know people that have reached out to you, you're always willing to take their phone call and spend time with them. You've been very generous with time with me. I've always appreciated that. Um, I've learned that through the small giants community. There doesn't seem to be anybody who wouldn't be willing to take a call or answer an email. Um, and so, you know, business at the end of the day, well, a big part of it is the speed to to not making mistakes or, or learning from wisdom. And you know, we can go along and act like we got it all together, all we want. But when there's a phone, when there's a person who's literally just a phone call away, who's been through it, and they can help accelerate, you know, what you what you're trying to figure out. Um, that just keeps moving you forward and allows you to focus on the things that grow your business or, or your people. And so asking for help and being vulnerable are, are two key things that I would, would uh, recommend. You know, something interesting that you said was that uh, you kind of thought you, you knew it all. And it reminds me of as a child, you said that you used to imagine hitting the winning shot or hitting that home run in the bottom of the ninth. You know, you kind of felt like you knew the answers and, Yet throughout mm-hmm. our talk today, what you told me is that you don't have the answers and all of what you have gotten has been through your relationships with others, uh, whether it's your dad, your grandparents, whether it's your 20, 
years younger brother, uh, your partner, mm-hmm. your peers, your family, um, and being that lifelong learner. And so I, I think it's really encouraging to people to, to understand that you, you aren't really born with this. And if you are open to exploring yourself, if you're open to uh, being vulnerable, if you're open to learning from others, there is uh, so much knowledge and experience to be gained. And, and you're a great example of that. I want to finish up with just a couple really quick hits, kind of that association. Mm-hmm. There. Let me just uh, throw a couple questions. Tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Uh, okay. All right. Name a famous leader you look up to. Mm, the Dalai Lama and Nelson Mandela are, are my two. All right. Uh, name a great book that influenced your leadership style. Uh, Small Giants is one. Uh, recently, uh, I read Ari Weinsweg's book, The Power of Beliefs in Business. I think that is in my top five best books ever read. Yeah, that's a, I heard a, a talk from Ari the other day, amazing stuff on belief. It's, I'm a little scared to attack a 600-page book, but if it's, <laughs> if it's by Ari, I'm sure it's great. Um, it was great. Right. So what's your favorite all-time movie? The one that I for sure can watch at any point, no matter what part it is, is Shawshank Redemption. Oh, that's a great one. That's a good one. All right. Uh, all right. So now you're, you're alone on, a, on an island, stranded, and you get to bring one thing. What would it be? I think I would bring, I think I would bring my meditation cushion, actually. Oh, do you sit on a cushion? I do. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very smart. All right. Lastly, uh, although I think you've been very uh, open and shared a lot that many of us probably didn't know about you already, but share one more thing about you that people don't know. Well, um, you met, I've, I've run marathons. I actually have run 14 marathons. I've run Boston, the Boston marathon twice. Uh, the second time I ran it was, uh, the bombing. And that had a greater effect on my life than I ever realized at the time. Um, I was with my entire family, um, and uh, it affected every one of them to this day very deeply. Um, Recently, there's been a lot of movies that have come out. I think there's a documentary on HBO. There's a a movie I think Mark Wahlberg is in uh, called Patriot. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I haven't seen that movie. I did watch part of the documentary, um, but I couldn't watch it all. It was difficult. Um, and so this has been bringing back a lot of memories for us. Um, I remember being in the hotel room and we had the, we had what we thought was a fortunate um, room in that uh, we were overlooking the uh, finish line. And so when that happened, we were you know, all looking out the window because we were in our room, thank goodness. And, uh, and just to see all the dynamics that were happening with our family members and friends um, that were in the room and how different people were reacting, um, it was almost like an out-of-body experience. And uh, you just learned so much from, from that experience. And it's obviously sad for everybody who were, who were affected, you know, adversely, whether they were injured or even died. Uh, and I'm just so grateful that we were safe um, on that day uh, with what happened. So a lot of people don't know that about me. And so now maybe they will. Well, I'll tell you, I didn't know that. I knew that you ran a lot of marathons. I didn't know you were there that day. And, and I, for one, am really happy that you and your family uh, are safe. And, uh, uh, but again, another really impactful experience for you. Uh, Rob, it's mm-hmm. been a, a pleasure having you join me. Uh, we can all learn so much from from you and your spirit and, and what you've done 
uh, to impact uh, the lives of people that you work with and that you have relationships with otherwise. So thank you very much for being with us today. Paul, thank you. And I just want to take a second to thank, uh, to let you know how grateful I am that you are in my life. And I mean that from my heart. You are an amazing person from the time I met you. You've been an inspiration to me on many levels, the way you dealt with people at Barrel, the way that uh, you uh, show what culture is truly about, uh, the way you conduct yourself and your business. Uh, and uh, the way you've cultivated the Small Giants community. It's made such a difference in my life and, the, and consequently in the lives of other people. Um, I don't know that you'll ever realize the far-reaching effect that you're having, um, but uh, it's very significant, and, and I'm always going to be grateful uh, to you for that, and I'm, I'm just very humbled that you even asked me to be a part of this, so uh, thank you. Uh, my pleasure, Rob. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for the kind thoughts. And thank you for joining me on this episode of the Growing With Purpose podcast. Until next time.